following podcast is for entertainment purposes only. It does not reflect the views or opinions of my university or its affiliates. And as always, welcome to the Sister Wives Professor. That's me. I'm Dr. Adam, a professor of interpersonal and family communication, somehow. And I am a longtime follower of the TLC series, Sister Wives. Not only that, I am a longtime fan of, and I didn't tell her I was going to say this, but whom I refer to on my Patreon as the queen of reality television. Ms. Kara Berry, and it is my esteemed pleasure to welcome you, Kara, to the podcast. I always want to say your full name. I always want to just refer to you as Kara Berry the full time, the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I get that a lot. So go for it because I get called that more than just the first name. Um, I'm so happy to be here and so happy for the the nickname. That's crazy. What a compliment. Well, you you come by it honestly, as my grandma used to say. So. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I do a lot of work. I do a lot, a lot, a lot of hours listening and watching people be, you know, hopefully more messy than I am. <laughs> you, do, you don't mess around. Yeah, that is, you were one of those, Um, and I hope you take this as a compliment it's meant to be. It's like comfort food podcasts where like, I can rely on you to have something like anytime I need it. <laughs> I love it. I love that. I'm going to take that. Yeah, it is definitely a compliment because I think that's so much of what especially like post COVID, I think it's just ramped up how much I'm getting ahead of myself, but how much like podcasting and content has become like something people lean on even more than they did before, in my opinion. Right. Yeah. So I wanted to talk obviously about Sister Wives because it is one of the most formative and important train wreck aspects of my existence and yours, I'm sure. But mm -hmm. I can't fathom anybody listening to the Sister Wives Professor that doesn't know you and doesn't listen to your podcast. But just in case they don't, like the like my mom, maybe when she listens to this might be, although my mom's probably a fan of yours too. She has good taste. <laughs> so who's Kara Berry, the podcaster? Like, how did you enter this and create everyone's business but mine? Like, what is your sort of superhero origin story as a podcaster? Man, it's been a real evolution. I started with Rachel Lindsay's season of The Bachelorette. She was the first Black Bachelor or Bachelorette in the whole uh, universe or Bachelor Nation, as they call it. And I had never watched the show before. So I thought this is going to be like a perfect time to kind of get my feet wet in podcasting and also be on this totally new journey with a show that I didn't really know anything about, but was like obviously a juggernaut. Um and that kind of evolved after that season to, I found myself, uh, I had a Kardashians podcast for a couple of years and ended that. And in, at the end of 2019, I was like, okay, I think I'm ready to do a solo podcast. And I just, I was like, I have so many interests outside of one singular thing that I should talk about all of it because uh you know there's a, a lot to get into so yeah that's what I've been doing I started off saying I was going to be doing two podcast episodes a month and that very quickly fell by the wayside <laughs> and it's basically all I do now so yeah there we are 
<laughs> For folks who have never created content, it can be a weirdly like slippery slope of wanting to create more stuff. Because especially once you gain an audience, it's like, well, this feels good. <laughs> this is nice. Yeah, I wouldn't mind more of this For feeling. Sure. And I'm certainly much newer to this game than than you are. And so I am still in that process of figuring out, okay, how much is too much for me with, you know, the one or two other responsibilities that I have uh, as of right now. Right. But yeah. And so I mentioned this to you off the air. I was exposed to your podcast through a guest spot you did a while ago on Surviving Sister Wives and just fell in love with what you do. And I've also said this to you, but I want everyone to hear this. The thing that really struck me as a communication person and as a speaker, someone who speaks for a living, you know, for my my day job as well as this, is people don't tend to understand how tricky it can be to be a person, in essence, speaking in an empty room. You're speaking to people, but not in real time. But what you do so well that I admire, and I've tried to try to study how you do it. I get to, to be honest. I mean, I, I'm a researcher. I, I do tend to look at things that way of just pinpoint what makes you so good. I haven't figured it out. I think you're just natural. But what you do is you speak to anybody listening. And when I listen to your podcast, and I know other people have said this to me even, I feel like I'm the only person you're speaking to. I don't feel like you're addressing mm. random, you know, the the ether out in the internet. I feel like my fr like a friend, like someone is speaking to me. And that's just something I really wanted to praise you for publicly because you are so good at oh it. I love that. Thank you so much. Um, that's like a, an incredible, incredible compliment. Um, yeah, I think I kind of do look at it like just like a very long voice note <laughs> to somebody, you know, and and um, yeah, sometimes it's like three hours long. But uh, yeah, I think I just feel like if you're listening to me, then we're on the same wavelength already. Like nothing needs to be explained. We're, we're, we've got like a little secret code and secret language to each other. And so I just feel, yeah, like I'm just... I'm not talking to anybody in particular, but also to one person specifically all the time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that is definitely the vibe, especially if folks don't know your podcast. That is the vibe. And it's it's great. It's just like sitting down literally and metaphorically having tea with someone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, okay, I wanted to talk obviously about Sister Wives. Can you, so you talked about The Bachelor and sort of your entrance into podcasting. When did the Brown family make their way into your life? I mean, does anybody really have an answer for that? I don't know. <laughs> but, um, I want to say that I probably started and I'm like, I'm a very completionist person. I like to start series beginning season one, episode one. I definitely like dipped in and out. I'm sure at this point, sadly, I've seen every episode, but um, TLC is like my first real intro into reality like i'm a big, big bravo and housewives girl but tlc really was the first one yeah, that really, really hooked the network me too. so yeah um yeah like with like 19 kids and counting and sorry dog here um 19 kids and counting and um oh gosh what a, like little people big world a little couple i think tlc shows have this great way of being so boring but they're also so fascinating because they always take like a a unique family right be yes. they little people or a lot of people or a lot of little people or you know like whatever it is and you are like oh what's what are they all about right but then you kind of find out that they're basically just extremely boring maybe even more boring than your just like 2.5 uh, kid family <laughs> and it's like oh okay that's interesting because you expect 
something different and then you don't but then there is you know there's there's a lot of darkness on TLC as well um that doesn't get discussed and um, <laughs> you know that except that's always very interesting yes except in detailed reddit threads yeah, yeah. uh-huh i've always found their like christian undertones to be very fascinating and how they like navigate that with all the families um yeah i mean and oh john and kate plus eight that was really that was really the the key for me <laughs> yeah i was discussing with somebody the sort of tlc timeline of well this is different but maybe it's okay and hey these people aren't that different from me altogether this is fine to this seems a little weird to oh god <laughs> and like yes and it always ends, whether it's the Plaths or the Browns, John Kate plus eight, the Doug, I don't even want to go into the Duggar thing. Mm, it, please don't. <laughs> there's, there's no soft landing for these families, it seems no. like. And it's almost like, no. and this has never really occurred to me, but now it's almost like when you enter one of these shows now, when I, now, cause I'm looking at like Plathville and stuff for the first time because of, you know, folks that are supporting me online and I know a little bit about what happens, but I try not to spoil it. But there's this almost this impending dread now because I know, okay, here's what the family <laughs> is. How do these right. how do these folks fall apart? Let's find out together. Right. And right. And I think you touched upon something like to me, the allure from a communication standpoint and a family standpoint, because that's what I study at work, is I think the immediate allure of the TLC format, especially, is well, I know my family's kind of weird and I want my family to feel okay. So maybe these stranger families, they're okay. So I must be, you know what I mean? It's almost like mm -hmm. you kind of commiserate of, well, people find things about my family strange. And it might be like, well, we take our shoes off when we come in the door. Not that, you know, my my dad has five wives or whatever, but. Right. <laughs> and it's nice to experience vicariously just difference is how I always explain it too. So. Yeah. Also very fascinating to see how each family um, integrates the tater tot in, into their regular diet. Because it always happens. It's inevitable. <laughs> it, the, sorry. Be it a casserole no. or something like that. <laughs> yeah. What kind of hot dish? I, I'm I'm giving people my geographical location away by saying hot dish instead of casserole. But uh -huh. yeah, what kind of hot dish are they going to make? The Christine Brown's, <laughs> what was it? Tater tot fish tacos or whatever that. Sure. Yep. Yeah. I <laughs> Always something. Yeah. I think I laid down for about a week and a half after I found out about that. I had to kind of take some medical leave and. um <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah, that was a bit much for me. Uh, anyway, yeah, it's it's so okay. So I've I've told the story before. I stumbled upon the Browns because the algorithm. I was just watching a lot of Cake Boss of all things, and mm -hmm. I ran out of Cake Boss, and I didn't really want to watch Sister Wives, but I got into it in graduate school because this will surprise people. I didn't have a girlfriend or anything, and so I had a lot of time on my hands. <laughs> And so, sure. <laughs> yeah, what's interesting to me, and now, you know, your dynamic with these shows is obviously different because this is, as you put it, this is what you do, right? This is kind of a thing. And so my question as, you know, such a invested and in, in podcaster with so much reach and so many people that appreciate what you do, are there ever moments where you sit down and whether it's the Brown family or whether it's Real Housewives or anything, you sit down and go like, all right, Kara, we got to get through this one. And you're just like, I don't know, like, is it ever just making the sausage for you? Um, very rarely, fortunately, not as much as I would have expected going into it. Um, I do find myself like, I'll be like, I need two days off. And then about 18 hours into it, I'm like, something happens. And I'm like, I kind of want to talk about this. I kind of miss it. But, um, 
it, it's very rare. Housewives really more so uh, test my patience um, <laughs> than anything than TLC, which is shocking because again, TLC tends to uh, be in the boring, but um, uh, yeah, there are times with like, you know, like a, a real housewives of Beverly Hills or New Jersey where I'm like, I would rather do anything else than talk about these women. But <laughs> fortunately that's few and far between. And I bet if anything, that just makes it more endearing to the audience who probably watches it and goes, I can't stand this. I'm just, I don't know why I'm watching it. And so to hear somebody also, you know, who they, who has this platform go, I don't know why I'm reviewing this. It's kind of like, okay, this is okay then. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'll definitely let people know, like, I didn't like this, so it's going to be rough. And if you are just not wanting to listen to me complain, then this is not the episode for you. So yeah, that will happen. Absolutely. I've just recently been exposed to Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, and you know, oh yeah, mm -hmm. I'm obsessed. I've never seen Real Housewives yeah. before. I've listened to you talk about it, and that's about the extent of my understanding. Uh huh. It's um such a it's a journey. It, it is yeah. the the combination of this affluence and like boredom and like toxic friendships it's just mm -hmm. and people smelling like hospital it's just amazing <laughs> you know and what's fascinating is that salt lake is the franchise where like housewives scholars so to speak will be like this is the show that's like a it's like a christopher guest version <laughs> of the housewives where like it's really like fantastical and camp and it's like they know they're hitting all the beats but it's not like corny it's like what is going on are you real people like they take from every other housewives franchise and just turn it up to 11 okay. and it's so wild and so i'm like happy for you that this is how you get to experience housewives because it's not really like this in the other cities <laughs> okay that's good to know because i'm probably going to feel like the person that just like walks into a casino for the first time and like gets a really good hand and thinks i'm really good at gambling and then finds out like oh no uh -huh. this is not what i expected <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i love it i'm obsessed and scared and all kinds of emotions all at the same time watching that show but it's, that sounds right. It's, mm -hmm. it's been tremendous. Yeah, I, I've been following. I don't try to go out online because somebody kind of spoiled me on that. Jen is having perhaps some legal difficulties, so to say, and so mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. it's sad. It's sad. But we could go on and on about yeah. Real Housewives, and actually, I would love to, but maybe, maybe next time. Um, <laughs> so the Brown family, broadly, so season eighteen, the dark night of the soul for the Brown family for Cody Brown. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> I've said that like the wheels didn't fall off for Cody Brown. The wheels fell off, got ran over, got trampled by an elephant and the wheels got launched into space. Mm -hmm. <laughs> They're in the, the in that little water trap at Coyote Pass, like never to be in the plumbing ditch. Yeah. Whatever they just, called it. Just, <laughs> just sunk in the mire of prairie dog doo doo in the cistern. It's not it's not Absolutely. good. Nary to uh -huh. return. <laughs> what is your feeling for like Cody Brown as a human being right now, because I've talked at length about how much he's Oof. undergoing just this public, very public ego death. Yes. And like the dissolution of kind of the identity he constructed for himself, right? As the guy with all the kids and the guy with all the wives, and he's kind of neither. Right. I I think about the episode where um, they have the people from UNLV do like some sort of research on the family. And they are very explicit of like, family we want you to just be normal and do what you would do every day and what we saw was the most performative we're taking all the kids to the movie theater and like all this like like 
stuff that they clearly don't do in an everyday um, situation. And that to me is like quintessential Cody Brown. Like if you wanted to know who Cody Brown is, those were the, would be the episodes that I would send you to. Um, And yeah, you're right to see this like incredible ego death. And the fact that he has no idea what to do with it. Um, He is flailing all the way, the way he diverts back to Christine um, to blame her for things that have nothing to do with her. Like, it's rainy outside and it probably wouldn't be if Christine had been honest and not left the family and turned all the kids against me. You know, it's just like wild things like that. Um, so he's a, I, he's a divorced man is what you're saying. He's a divorced man. Yes. <laughs> a divorced man who went to 4chan, who clearly spent a lot of time in the men's rights subreddits. Well, can and, we talk and about that? Of, please, it's, please. It's scary. It scares me. Like, I almost don't want to. I almost don't touch upon it on the podcast because- it scares me. the language he's using. Mm-hmm. It is the sort of radicalizing, typically of younger men, right? Of yes. the, because one of the things I've studied is sort of toxic masculinity for young men and that young men have, and I'm, I, let me be very clear. I'm not making any excuses for young men or older men's bad choices, but for impressionable young men, there's just weird societal pulls of be aggressive, be this way, but they're not empowered to to do those things through care or through sympathy or through understanding or through self-betterment. It's that sure. they're built up to be like, you are the inheritor kings of the universe. And when they're inevitably not, because that's not actually how life works, they have no other way to engage with the world sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I, I always think about like the hidden thing for me is that Cody so clearly has daddy issues oh, yeah. that nobody really wants to get into. Like this man... Clearly, like, I, I feel like I meant, I remember at some point they kind of mentioned the dynamic where he was sort of the, like, son who was like, eh, whatever. He was like the Job of the family. Like, like the Duke can't do anything right. Kind of, like, always trying to impress his father, not as manly or whatever that means. Um, and then he comes back from his mission. His dad's now a polygamist. And he's, like, clearly trying to impress his father. I don't see why we don't talk about this. It's so wild to me that, like, his masculinity and how excited he gets to be around other men and wrestle with them. A lot of people find that homosexual. And I'm like, no, 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 this is daddy issues. This is straight up. I want to be like, want to like impress men or like tap into my masculinity, like something he doesn't have. And he's trying to uh, correct. And yeah, now he doesn't have these women as these like, Uh, clear examples of his masculinity and obviously he thinks christine took a lot of that away and i laugh i laugh a lot it's evil of me you would think that i was gonna go in another way and think that this was sad but no i actually think it's very funny (laughs) i think okay there's a lot to unpack here i have so many things to say (laughs) because yeah okay so (laughs) to start with yes to the win brown thing i'm taking notes to do a whole like talk on this because I find it so interesting because I think you hit the nail on the head in a way I never would have. So thank you. And I will cite you if I end up talking about this insight, but I'm an academic. I have to cite my sources or it's just unacceptable. (laughs) He, I think, yeah, grew up as kind of the doofy, more drawn to femininity than his brothers. And I say that as a man who's the exact same way, you know, and Mm -hmm. that, that is, that can be separated from sexuality. It's just, you know, the way you're, the way you experience the world I think the way he felt more comfortable was with femininity in some ways than masculinity, which, you know, I I get that um, as I like 
brush my long hair out of my way. And so <laughs> I think that when the polygamy thing broke with Win Brown, I think Cody thought this is the answer to my prayers. One, I can differentiate myself from maybe my siblings in a good way. Mm -hmm. I can share this thing with my father because boys that can't seem to access approval from their fathers oftentimes will look to hobbies, niche interests, even if they're not interested in them, they'll kind of bone up on them because they just, they just want to talk to their dad. They just want to mm -hmm. have something and they'll kind of glom onto that. I think Cody thought not only can I be like my dad's guy that he goes to talk to about polygamy, but I get more attention from women. I can have yeah. multiple women. I can be exalted in heaven. I can be the priesthood of my family. I can have a celestial kingdom, whatever the beliefs may be. It's just like, mm -hmm. I think the answer to everything he wanted, and I think it is rooted in trying to access the approval of this sort of inaccessible man, which was Wynne Brown. Yeah. And totally. when I say it like that, I feel empathy for Cody, for his emotions, not for what he did with those emotions, to be clear. Absolutely. Um, yes. Because Cody being publicly divorced like three times is hilarious as you said, mm -hmm. <laughs> back to back to back too. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. And so, yeah, like <laughs> it's, it's like when you lose your job that you love the most or anything times like three or four, you, your defining characteristic is taken away from you. That's hard for anybody, you know? Right. And so, but the karmic beauty of this man that tried to gaslight and manipulate and basically emotionally starve out several of his wives, it's like, well, He's kind of the dog that caught the car in a way. Like he didn't absolutely he didn't want to be married, but he also the divorce is too much. And that happened that happens sometimes with breakups, to be clear. Like people, not bad people, can be like, I just want out, I just want out, I just want out. And then you break up or you mm -hmm. get a divorce and you kind of go, Oh, this doesn't feel that good though. <laughs> you know, in the yeah. <laughs> in the rebuilding process. Right. So right. So Robin Brown, speaking of sort of the remainder of Cody's existence. What is your take on what I call her CABs or what I call her crying adjacent behaviors, for example? <laughs> like my, I'll, I'll prime you a little bit, which I probably shouldn't do. I think this is something that has worked for her to get attention for when she felt neglected growing up because of her family situation. Uh -huh. What is your take on just Robin Brown in general? Let me put it that way at this point. Oh, um, You know, I think like the, the, Tele the elevator pitch of Robin for me is like, it's so frustrating to watch somebody who has everything cry about like her not getting even more and all those things that she really wants and she's allegedly so upset about comes at the expense of basically everybody else in the family. And it's just like why she doesn't see how completely selfish that is, is beyond me. And like, finally, she kind of had to admit to Mary, like, yeah, you probably shouldn't stay in a loveless marriage with the man who's like head over heels with, and with me and like, will never leave me. And like, you know, was crying about my child being in the basement when we had COVID because he couldn't see her like that. You're just never going to get that sort of like love or, you know, he, probably ignores your phone calls most of the time. So I should probably give this up at this point. But um, yeah, her her CAB, the crying adjacent behavior, like it, it waffles between like hilarious and very infuriating to me <laughs> because 
like these these look backs or the talk backs, whichever special, where they're the giving them the, backs, the look backs, the nickel backs, the hatchbacks, they just <laughs> kept coming. I can I just I just want to complain. Yeah. I was reviewing these. I, I thought like I timed this podcast, my podcast to start at what I thought was the end of season 18. And season 18 all was the song that never ends. Like it just kept going. Right. <laughs> it really like you guys, could you have told us like not 15 minutes into the finale that there were going to be 17 more episodes? Like, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, but one of them, whichever they gave them the iPads and they're watching the the renewal yeah. and she's like, oh, okay, what? like it's so that was like perfect frustrating and so funny the way she gets out of things and also like i've been trying to bite my tongue but like we see how her daughters act and how they have like their emotional responses to things and i find that incredibly frustrating because i know that this is just like their learned behavior this is like how they get react like you said like Clearly, Robin has learned her tears evoke empathy, sympathy, stopping conversations, and the same thing is happening. She's teaching her kids to me yeah. these same behaviors, yep. and it's so very annoying. It is. So annoying. And, and just like the way she, yeah, she weaponizes his tears against the other wives is so frustrating. Um, her inability to see that she is a big part of the problem um it is very frustrating to me and like this season was very satisfying for her especially when mary's like okay um when i leave this family and i'm going up to to parowan we actually have to make a concerted effort to hang out because when i am in flagstaff you like barely answer my phone calls and we barely make time for each other and it was like oh okay now the curtain has fallen and now we're seeing that you're not putting in any effort to these things but you're crying about why nobody else is putting effort into these relationships it's and the fact that she thinks she's tricking all of us is another another layer I think that's such a big part of people's reaction to her too. Is just yeah, I think it's the deception, and the, one of the things that people typically have the most like visceral, negative, emotional reaction to is knowing that there is an attempt to deceive them. Yes, that's why deception can be tricky. I always equate it to like if I'm going to go buy a car, I the moment I know for a fact like somebody's messing with me or just like giving a veneer of, well, this is the best I can do. And I prove them wrong. I'm like, we are done because I'm not going to operate in bad faith with you. Like, I won't do it. Absolutely. Right. And so that I think, whether people are aware of it or not, I'm sure plenty of people are, but that tends to be, I think people's trigger with Robin is like, you're not only are you trying to deceive the other members of this family, you're trying to deceive us, the viewer, and you're not even particularly good at it. No. <laughs> right. It's it's very, very, like, again, like, very funny, but also very frustrating. It's, I, I, I'm just, like, biting my nails trying to figure out how she's going to navigate next season because there's no veneer for her. No. Nothing. There's nothing left for her to, uh, to hide behind. I, I'm so excited. I'm so very excited. I can't believe if you had told me at any point, if you had told me, you know, six months ago, you will be the most excited for... Imagine 10 years ago. You know what's really going to be exciting? Season 19 of Sister Wives. <laughs> I'd have been like, I'm not going to live that long. Right. <laughs> That's not real. <laughs> That's like... Yeah, it, it's hard to tell people like, okay, um, things really don't get too interesting until season 15, but you kind of have to watch the whole thing. So 
<laughs> yeah, like, look, there's going to be a whole stretch there where McKelty's planning a wedding and you're really going to want to tap out real bad. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> a lot of conversations about how many street tacos should be applied to a wedding of 300. Um, yeah, it's going to be tough. That is it's when my tough. wife quit. I remember vividly <laughs> being in the basement watching it. And my wife being like, I love you. I can't do this anymore. Like, just give me. She chose herself. Yeah. She said. I respect that. Yeah. She said, give me the rundown every week because I still have to know. But then the what does the nanny do meme dropped and she was like back in it. Like she never left. Oh, like, yeah, we are so back. We are so back. <laughs> love that. Yeah. I love that. It was terrific. Yeah. I think with Robin too, my read is that this is a person that has no tolerance for discomfort. Uh, mm-hmm. even yeah. even to the benefit of other people. And you can't right. really go through life like that. I'm, not, I'm sorry to put it this way, but especially as a parent, like parenting is all about I'm shouldering discomfort for the betterment of people that you, you know, yeah. are shepherding through life. And so when we talk about her kids, I always wonder about like, you know, and this is easy for me to say, but like my mindset is always like, it's not my job to keep my children from discomfort. It's my job to help them manage it when it happens. Yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. And so, and I've got a whole podcast I'm doing about like the kind of infantilization going on of the kids in Robin and Cody's house. And like, you know, it's a fine line to walk, but you can't launch an adult that just doesn't know how to deal with pushback, that doesn't know how to deal with discomfort or, in, right. or inconvenience or Frank kind of, you kind of get Robin Brown and Robin has been through some stuff. She was a single mom. You know, she mm-hmm. had to make sacrifices. It's not like she's never been through anything difficult, but question to you again about her my mindset is that robin one when she came into the family right when she came into and started being courted by cody and and mary mary was a big part of it too i think she one looked at the brown family as the answer to kind of like cody with his dad this is the answer to all my prayers Mm -hmm. and i think she ignored a lot of red flags about the family and well she didn't know i didn't know (laughs) i didn't know (laughs) Mary? <laughs> this should just be the whole show. What I should just know? lay out and just do this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I there there are certain things I as a man speaking to a 95 to 98% female audience speaking alone, I try not to dunk on these women too hard cuz I just think for me, sure. so when other people do it for me, I just like to lay out and let it happen. <laughs> I'm happy to I'm happy to be your um your surrogate in this. I'm I, happy to do it. You and you are offering you can be my surrogate. You're offering it freely. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I got the memes, folks. I got them all in the bank. I'm ready to go. <laughs> Whole show. Yeah. Yeah. So I equated like Robin and Kurt talking about you know I didn't know about these problems. I was deceived. Cap in hand. All this stuff as like. She's almost like a former Swifty, you know, who was just like the biggest Brown Mm. family fan. And there's no bigger hater than the person that started out loving you Mm -hmm. and felt Mm -hmm. betrayed. Somebody that just like experiences like your your art, like a podcaster, your music or whatever you create. Somebody that just samples it and goes, oh, this isn't, I don't like this. This isn't any good. They are nowhere near the hater than the person who started out really loving what you do. And for some reason decided they were betrayed in some way. Typically it's, Right. Not intentional on your part by any means, but you know what I mean? So I don't know. I want to kind of get your thoughts. Like, do you think that Robin right now with her talk of, I didn't know about these problems. I was deceived. I was sold a bill of goods. 
is this just like, does she genuinely feel this way? Or is this her mental gymnastics to kind of explain that, well, she can't be at fault for the family's dissolution? Simone Biles. She is Simone Biles with the mental gymnastics. Yeah. Like it's <laughs> like, there's no, um, like, yeah, absolutely. Like every time the goalpost changes to, uh, <laughs> I didn't know, or like, maybe I did know, but like, I didn't know the whole story. And like, I, yeah, like you said, I was sold this like bill of goods. It was false. And, and uh, yeah, I don't remember these, this being her narrative until this season. And I think like the biggest example of that was when they talked about in the talkback slingback nickelback about the, um, the, uh, the test, the personality test that Christine did on, on them. And she went from, I didn't take the test to, oh, maybe Christine took it for me. And then like, <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, like this is like, oh, very interesting memory that we have here. Um, yeah, I think that is definitely her MO. Definitely her. MO. That was like every like five-year-old that ate the Nilla wafers when they weren't supposed to. And they're like, yeah. no, I didn't eat them. And I go, well, they're, I caught you like with them in your hand. I go, oh, you meant like, did I eat them like intentional? And it's just like, just, just stop. Just, just, yeah. just stop. Well, they fell out of the bag and I figured, yeah. you know. <laughs> I had thought, oh gosh, you thought, okay, yeah. I thought you had said I could. So I see the yes. disconnect here. Yeah, it takes guts to go on a television show meticulously dissected, like viewed by millions of people, meticulously dissected by thousands of people and lie about something that you know for a fact there is documented, filmed proof of that they can and will mm -hmm. just show everyone. Like that is amazing to me. Yes. Yeah, and that's why she has not been on social media since like 2020. Since <laughs> since Christine started to leave, she has not been on Twitter or anything since then because she knows she knows how those comments are going to be. Y'all can look at her last post on Robin's last post on Instagram, and people will still comment to this day, "What's wrong with you, ma'am?" And <laughs> they've got a lot of things to say. Yeah, I gotta so avoid. It. I, I gotta say, like, if to to be fair, because this is kind of my vibe typically on the on the podcast. If people talked about me like one tenth to the degree they did Robin Brown, like I would just live in a turtle shell. I would, I would just, right. I would just cease to exist. Like, absolutely. But this is why we don't behave this way to begin with, because then true. you don't have to deal with the consequences. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah, I get like a three star, three star review on my podcast. I'm like, I can't do this. I can't function. I'm shutting it down. Yeah, yep. that's it. Had a good run. I'm done. It's over. Yeah, mm -hmm. That's it. But yeah, and so I, I wonder too. Talking about her kids, I, I genuinely wonder, because you know she has conversations with her kids about like, don't go online, don't don't Google yourself, rightfully so. Like if I were a parent with kids with that kind of public exposure, I would be quite strict about don't look at what people say about you. They're going to say things that right. it's not healthy for you to see. I can't imagine navigating that because like Cody and Robin, they consented to this as theoretically fully formed adults. You know what I mean? Like they agreed to right. it. They didn't know what would happen. They didn't know the scope of what they would deal with, but they continued. I don't think, I don't think they have a choice anymore. I think this is Cody's kind of monkey's paw where it's like, I can't not do the show. In my opinion, that's my read on it, especially Robin, sure. more so Robin and the Nickelbacks or the Hatchbacks or whatever, when she's sitting there looking like she's just going to burst into flames, like Dumbledore's pet bird, <laughs> just miserable watching that stuff. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. She gets a check. You know, those, those Victoria's secret cards aren't going to pay themselves. Okay. Off. There we go. So 
<laughs> I love the deep level. That's not even that deep level sister wives lore anymore. That's become like <laughs> back in the day, that was like code for like, you know, everything about sister wives. Now it's like, right. <laughs> now that's like two weeks into it. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. <laughs> I have the best listeners ever and I'm sure you do too. But like the funny thing I've noticed about sister wives folks is you either know like wait, who's, you're either like, wait, who's Leon? Who, who's that? Or you're like, yeah, actually the February 2016 bank statements of Robin Brown, there was a bit of ab ab aberration and there's no middle ground. You either know. Right. <laughs> exactly. You either have the most cursory understanding or you know, like, you know, when each Brown child lost their baby teeth. Like it's remarkable. <laughs> and I love it. I love that about this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah occasionally i will send my friend just uh mary's banana picture and that's all that needs to be said you oh know there's nothing else <laughs> so you you, gotta, you know get people on their toes that would do it yeah that would do it <laughs> um and then they just mute no, there's no response just muted notifications like, yeah <laughs> exactly uh -huh. <laughs> did you see about um mary's breakup with amos I did. I did. You know, I think it's probably for the best. Um, like you said, the Sister Wives fans are very, um, you know, yeah. uh, studious and, and will do their go down to, you know, ask Jeeves and figure everything out. And <laughs> Amos didn't sound that great. So I'm happy that she found somebody, but I... <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> imagine them, like going opening up safari and just in yeah. in in the bar just all caps putting in amos mary brown bad person question mark and like 17 question marks right <laughs> yeah and then they got the the marriage the divorce decrees and all of those um yeah um what was i gonna say i Oh, I'm happy for her. I'm happy that she found yeah. somebody post Cody. Absolutely. I think she needed somebody to. Well, I was going to say get her feet wet. That's that's not really I, I wasn't trying to invoke any images there, but I think it was good that she had somebody to date before she finds somebody serious. Somebody to just make her laugh, you know? Yeah. Sometimes it's good to have that bridge where you just like, OK, so I'm attractive. Like I can. Yeah. Attract someone I like. I can do that. Confirmation. And sometimes that's mm -hmm. all you need, especially. I can't imagine I've had breakups after long-term relationships, but nothing like the duration of her relationship with Cody to, you know, obviously. Mm -hmm. So yeah, to just have that feeling of, okay, there's at least some people, and of course there are, but there are people out there that I can, not just that will like me, but I will like back and I will kind of yeah. jive with. She needed to have like a, a standard making relationship. Like Cody was not doing anything for her. So she has to realize, okay, at least what I deserve. I deserve a man who will fill up my Stanley cups without me asking. I deserve a man who will like, you know, answer my phone calls, not say I'm not coming when, when you say I'm, you know, to court me. Yeah. Um, those sorts of things, not in publicly embarrass me all the time. Yeah. So I'm glad I'm glad for her. someone. I think this, I'm not sad about the breakup. I think it was a good relationship. I'm not either. You know, someone needs to find her turkey moist and delicious, and I hope she finds that person. And that's fine. I rice crispy or otherwise. Mm -hmm. I'm upset. Okay, I can't not talk about this. I'm obsessed with the rice crispy turkey because I one love rice krispies and two I am corny as hell. So it's just <laughs> as like a midwestern basic like young man, not young anymore, but like I'm just so like just tacky rice crispy food stuffs are just like my life's blood so everyone else was kind of roasting that and i was just like oh how fun 
I took it completely seriously. I thought, I don't know, that was pretty cool, but no, to your point, it was clever. It was one of Mary's cleverest moves. I will say because well, it was such a dick move. That's why I liked it too. Yeah, the look of terror in Robin's eyes when she thought like there might be two turkeys and she was going to have to be passive aggressive about Put it. Put it into my veins. Put it into my veins. Incredible. Just, just tremendous. <laughs> Absolutely tremendous. Yeah, it was like an episode of The Office where it's like, oh gosh, how's I? I can't look away, but I have to. I'm so glad yeah. this isn't me. Yeah, I think that um, to the point. I think it's interesting too that Mary. And Christina are obviously such contrasts in the way they're approaching, whether, you know, consensually or not, right, the duration of their relationships. And so I think it's such an interesting example because for Amos, I don't know, I don't know, Amos, I don't know if Amos is a good person or a terrible person. Frankly, I don't care. I just am interested yeah. in how do you navigate that? Like who can, obviously David is doing fine, but he's a rare breed to have you know, the resources to keep your life private. You know what I mean? Because people will try to figure out where you live and there, there are things that you need to think about with stuff like that when you're that public. Right. But also right. just the emotional resources of, because they track down stuff of, of when Christine got engaged or in a relationship. People track down all kinds of stuff about him as well. And so, mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just going to be interesting to see how do you navigate that. What kind of person, if anyone... Would you want to see Janelle with? Oh, I, I, in my mind, I've been manifesting a long haul trucker for her. Just somebody who's like working five or four nights a week. He's gone. And then they can have their little long weekends together. He's like, yeah, you know, yeah. he can do things around the house. He likes to be outdoors. Like they can get a little, they can use a fifth wheel. Maybe hopefully he has a truck for that. Um, and yeah, I think like, I, I think she'd be fine with like a part-time lover, you know? Like he's always around emotionally, like he's there, but he's not there physically. Like yeah. she can go and do her thing and drink her Lexus Plexus and then they can have a couple days together. Yeah. I, the way I described it recently was I see her, whoever she ends up with, the kind of guy I think she needs is the kind of guy that his default Facebook picture has a border around it from a theme that was popular about four, four years ago and hasn't been updated since. <laughs> like... Like it's like yeah, Happy I New Year that. 2020 border around a picture yeah. of him out in the woods and he hasn't touched it since. That's who I see for Janelle uh -huh. and I want that for her. I do. I think she, yeah, I don't know. I don't know though. She's hard I, for me to to pick for. Somebody's just like salt to the earth, like a Dan Connor type from Roseanne. Just like, just like a lovable, chill, laid back, doesn't talk too much. Yeah, but, you know, a guy like, that reads a together. lot about World War II. I feel like, and nothing else doesn't read anything mm -hmm. else, but like, that's yes. it that I could see, you know? Yes. They take their, their anniversaries. They go to yeah. colonial Williamsburg. Like he'll, he'll get dressed up you know? for the Rammstein yeah. concert or whatever and go, what was that <laughs> by the way? Wow. <laughs> my favorite, my, my favorite fact of all yeah, of Sister Wife's history she's just is Janelle loving Rammstein. An absolutely brutal metalhead. I sure. It was a dream come true. It was a dream it. come true for me. Okay, so Honestly. <laughs> all right. Let me say this then. As we kind of trans, I don't want to take up too too much of your time. What sort of is there anything specific? Because to me, I can't imagine what this next season is gonna be. I don't know if they'll cover like the Amos breakup. I don't know. Like, what do you predict? Do you have a wish list? Do you have like a bucket list? Do you like 
do or is it are you are you like me you just go like i don't know where they go and also just how long do you think the sister wives thing goes at this point yeah my the unfortunate thing is that i have a feeling they're gonna do with christine's wedding like they did on 19 kids and counting which is they would have the wedding special and then the following season would be like the lead up and then we get to see the planning and all of that and then we get like a short little oh no you know like a truncated version of the wedding and i just i'm not interested <laughs> I'm like really not interested. Um, but I'm so happy for her. Um, I I'm I'm really curious to see what they do with Janelle and Mary, especially. Like, Mary, are we ever gonna see the the thing, the shed in the back? Did we get do we ever get to see the that was remade, redone with her friend? Um, I want to see that because I felt like, you know, I was emotionally invested in that and then we never got to see the end of it. And so I that was like the, the only storyline she's had in years outside of Cody. I want to see, <laughs> I want to see it come to fruition. Um, I, yeah, I'm super curious to know what they do with Janelle because now it's kind of seeing like, well, Christine's off in Loverville and she's very happy, but like, that's going to change their relationship. They can't hang out every weekend. So like, what is Janelle doing now? How is she getting her groove back? So to speak. Um, I want to see, um, Robin and Cody navigate his like dark night, the dark night that's within him. Is she going to take that out of him? Is she going to continue to complain about how um, he's being unkind to her while they buy more jewelry together? Um, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot there. I'm, I'm excited to see the weddings and all the kids. I definitely want to know more about how the adults feel, the adult children feel about like this whole thing where everybody shakes down i want to know uh um madison especially and uh her husband i want to know what happened with them and cody isn't what that wild too because like, they question. all but named a child after him you know i mean the middle name and that's not a small yeah. that's not a small thing and and yeah and, and maddie's saying in interviews that she is like con intentionally keeping cody away because from her children because she like the dynamic like I want to unpack that. I think there's a lot there. I'm just not sure if they're. Do you be think that's if you had to guess? <laughs> do you think that's the manosphere stuff that she's put off concerned about? I I would bet part of it. I I it's you know because we all know that that they had that well mostly one sided love affair between Cody and Caleb. Like what was the conversation where they were like we're not we're not continuing a relationship with him. I, that was oh, like yeah. the biggest shocker for me for the, yeah. for the family. And, you know, I can tell you from experience, choosing to keep your children away from like your parent is not an easy, well, sometimes it's, it's might be a simple decision, but not an easy decision, if that makes sense. And so I don't think to right. your point that mm -hmm. that happened capriciously, that there must've been build up to this. And yeah, like, no. Caleb was like, was like just kind of like the, the the Regina George to his to Cody's Gretchen Wieners, and just completely disinterested. Right. <laughs> and right. you know what happened, and so and how is Cody handling that? But but also, you bring up a great point: is what happens now is the stuff I really want to see on the show. Completely justifiably for the people involved, they don't tend to get into because. You got to imagine a lot of these now mm -hmm. adult children are looking looking back and going, I don't know that I ever should have had to have been on this show or should have had these experiences, at least some of them. Right. 
Right. I, I'm very interested in, because I, I think they filmed Logan's wedding. Did they? Okay. And so I want to know how we, and what we get to see from that. I, and like how, you know, how the family is connected and how much were they pretending that things were fine? You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I I'm excited. I'm on board. I mean, I'm ride or die on this show. I'll watch it no matter what it is. Like, I, I don't care. Yeah. I, I can't give up now. It's, it's, it's my life. Like, yeah. And I accept it. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not at all upset about it. In fact, I love it because I get to do stuff like this and I get to talk to people like you. And so it's finally worth it. <laughs> <laughs> it was not before. Okay. So last thing I want to ask you, I want to double back to kind of how I started and talking about you and your art and the things you create, but I'm very curious. So as a podcaster, you talked about your origins and sort of what sparked your process if you could go back to like Cara Berry the day before you sat down and recorded, whether it was podcast with other people or even like the first episode of Everyone's Business But Mine, if you could go back and sit down like younger Kara and go, okay, here's one thing though I really want you to know about, what do you think that would be? Oh man, that's a really great question because... I wanted to be in radio all like growing up. Like I was like, I want to be a DJ. This is like my thing. I want to do morning radio. Um, obviously like 20 years ago, they didn't have podcasting. So like I could have never dreamed that I would be able to like talk about, um, you know, like, as you said, a fight between two women talking about the other one smelling like hospital. Like you just never dream of being able to say things like that and like, and get paid for it. It's like incredible. Um, so what would I say? I mean, just like, keep going, girl. It's going to work out. You're going to start making money. So just keep going. And that's all you care about. So <laughs> that is a great answer. Keep, keep going. <laughs> that is a great answer. Is, yeah. You might want to get a savings account. You're going to be doing all right. That's mm -hmm. Wouldn't yeah. that, wouldn't that have been nice though, to know, be like, yeah, it's, it's funny. Cause it's such a blessing and I, I'm not trying to equate what I do with your success at all, but even on my level, it's such a blessing to think like, it's such a happy accident to me in my, in my mindset. Cause I'm, I'm not a, like, I don't want to say I'm not confident, but I'm not a braggadocious, like self-satisfied person. I have way too much anxiety for that. Any success, any mistakes I make are inevitable. And any success I have is an accident in my mind. And so mm. I'm always so grateful. And in fact, sometimes I think people get annoyed with me because I'm always just so grateful for people listening to the podcast because they're just, they're millions of other things they could be doing. There, there are millions of podcasts out there. Like people are creating all the time in a vacuum Absolutely. and I'm not. Yeah. And I'm just lucky that the Sister Wives fandom has made space for me because there's so many great podcasters covering reality, you know, for, forget about it. There's so many people covering reality TV. They're doing such good work. And so- you know, it's been really exciting. And so I want to reiterate what a privilege it has been for me to talk to you and to take time out of your day. So thank you. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Like finding community and people is so important when it comes to this sort of thing. Um, not only people finding you, but like you talking to people and, and talking to other podcasters, like this is very, very important. I like have a big thorn in my paw over like big podcasters who weren't who like don't talk to 
people who don't have a certain following or don't have a certain amount of listeners. Like to me, that is so foolish because some of my greatest, most long lasting listeners have been from podcasters and shows that are smaller than mine. And they're like, I found you from so-and-so and you're so great. And I'm like, so grateful for that. And that's like always, I think the way you should approach content creation, because you're right. Nobody has to listen to a podcast. It's one of the things that we don't have to do. You don't have to do it. And so the fact that people do is like such an honor. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. And I, I do appreciate that your your graciousness and coming on here has been amazing. And, and so many podcasts have been supportive of me when they really didn't need to. I didn't know what to expect, but the level of care and like consideration and like accommodation with reality, I have not interacted passively or actively with another content creator who hasn't been just extremely kind. And that is not the case in other spheres of my life. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. <laughs> and so, sure. yeah, thank you. Um, so do you want to, if again, I'm pretty sure everybody knows, but do you want to give a quick rundown of what you do and where to access your, your key stuff and everything? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I have a podcast called Everyone's Business, but mine, it is pop culture and reality TV recaps uh, three times a week. So Mondays, I'll do pop culture. And right now I'm talking about The Traders, um, which is an incredible show. And then I do Housewives, Vanderpump Rules. Um, we're doing Summer House. I'm going to be dipping back into TLC next week with uh, Seeking Sister Wife, which is Wow, 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 wow. A real big mess. So uh, yeah, join me. I'm I'm over here and yeah, three times a week. Yeah, shout outs to real quick to Amy of Little Miss Recap, who has been gently pushing me to look into Seeking Sister Wives. I'm a little bit scared, but I'm also excited. Oh, yeah. So, no, please do. Please do. It's a ride. It's such a ride. Yeah, let me just reseal. <laughs> let me just reseal the driveway and I'll get right on it. I will do <laughs> Uh -huh. <laughs> there's so much stuff that I want to cover. It just, oh, it frustrates me. There's so much stuff I want to cover, but I'll get there. I'll yeah. get there in time. Yeah, you'll get well, there. Well, thank you so much, Kara Berry. Again, your, <laughs> you your podcast me. is amazing. I, it's a it's a day it drops podcast for me, even though half the time I don't know the shows, but that's the thing is I don't need to. I don't need to. Like, <laughs> I know you. so much about these shows. I don't have time to watch because I have children. Right. <laughs> so that is an important service. So thank you so much. All right, everybody. As you know, I'm Dr. Adam. I am the Sister Wives professor. I am a teacher. I'm a researcher. I'm a follower of Sister Wives. And I want to thank you, like I always do, for making me a very small, but hopefully positive part of your day. Thank you for letting me be the noise in your life. I never take it for granted. Please be kind to yourself. You do deserve kindness. And remember, whatever you love, there are people out there that love it too. What you do and who you are is valid, and anyone that says otherwise sucks. Thank you. I'll talk to you later. The thing